I mean, I don't want to sound like I invented Zoom, but <laughs> like I'm an OG Zoom user. Like I've been using Zoom before anyone knew what Zoom was. You know, cool people say like, oh, I liked that band like 10 years ago. Like I feel like that person with yes. Zoom, you know? Hey there, and welcome to Headway, a podcast by Catapult Lakeland, where entrepreneurs share practical tools and insights so that you can continue to generate ideas and innovate as you move your startup forward. My name is Kristen Strabridge, and I get to work at Catapult, an entrepreneur center in Lakeland, Florida, that exists to foster the growth of startups by providing education, resources, and space. Today, we get to sit down and chat with David Young founder of Drone Launch Academy, self-proclaimed OG Zoom user, apparently, and just all around an awesome dude. With a background in forensic accounting at the FBI, David started Drone Launch Academy with the intent of helping people learn to fly drones commercially. Coming up on his second anniversary of working with Drone Launch full-time, David and his team have been able to build out an extensive library of trainings, resources, podcasts, and more. Drone Launch has been trusted by companies such as Microsoft, Sprint, BBC, ABC, Time, and of course, our local fave, Publix. With a team that mostly works remotely, we sat down with David to learn more about the tools and management techniques that he uses to foster community and culture virtually. He even shares some insights about how you can stay productive when working from home. So, I'm so excited for you guys to hear this conversation with David Young. Let's get started. We're here with David Young. Thanks so much for being here, taking time out of your busy work schedule of working remotely at home and in your <laughs> car to be with us. Can you just start by giving us like a short background on Drone Launch and then the team that you have around you? Sure. So yeah, my name is David Young, proud Catapult member. I run a company called Drone Launch Academy. I started Drone Launch Academy while I was uh, working as a forensic accountant at the FBI. There was another guy that I worked with at the FBI as like a former military guy, and he was all about drones. And so he talked to me a lot about them, and I kind of started getting more interested in them and because I had an aviation background. So kind of took off that way. I started it probably four years ago. It was in a bit of a different form then, but I started helping drone pilots be able to fly drones for business. It originally started off as like me helping people file FAA paperwork that you had to do back then. And then as things changed and you had to take a test, we started making online courses to help people, you know, with that test. And then we added other online courses to help people learn more about drones and use them for business. And eventually was making more money from Drone Launch Academy than I was from my full-time job. So scaled it up and was able to quit my FBI job back in 20, early 2018. So coming up on a two-year anniversary of working for myself full-time. Oh, that's and awesome. It's actually, oh yeah. Well, I mean, April. Yeah. Oh yeah. It is April. That's wow. pretty wild. Congrats. Yeah, I should uh, I should plan a party with my family who I'm around 24 hours a day at this point. So <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But uh, all right, so that's that's drone launch. So coming up in two years doing full-time, growing a lot. As you grow in sales and activity and all that stuff, you generally get more and more people on your team to help you as you can afford more people. You know, we have some employees that are on like official payroll because I want to be able to tell some people, hey, come into the office and work with me. And other people are... Uh, contractors because they work remotely and they can kind of set their own schedule. So I would say we probably have about seven team members, all remote except for me and one other person. It's hard sometimes when you're just doing stuff by yourself constantly, right? Even if this is like another person sitting across the table from you, like listening to all your harebrained ideas and being like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It just like <laughs> right. helps you like processing. So 
to have Audrey for that. And she actually has a lot of great ideas. So we, we chat. She's in the office part time. Okay. So you said you have one person that's here with you in Lakeland, but then everybody else is kind of spread out. So just like practically, what are some ways that your team stays connected and productive? Are there like specific tools that you use for that? What's kind of the tactic there? I feel like the trifecta of remote work tools is Slack with Zoom with Asana. I mean, I don't want to sound like I invented Zoom, but <laughs> like I'm an OG Zoom user. Like I've been using Zoom before anyone knew what Zoom was. You know, cool people say like, oh, I liked that band like 10 years ago. Like I feel like that person with yes. Zoom, you know? Uh-huh. So um, I do all my video calls with Zoom. Um, so we use Slack for, you know, team communication. We've used that for a long time. I love mm-hmm. Slack. I'm not a big email guy just because you get so much crap in your email. You know what I mean? You get like replies from people, you get spam, you get just like, it's just too much. Like stuff gets lost too easily in there. So I yes. love Slack. Um, it's easy to search. Mm-hmm. And then Asana. So we manage all of our like projects, our content calendar, anything that has like multiple steps that people need to do. We put it into Asana. And Nicole, our operations person, she like manages all of Asana and makes sure that like stuff's in there with due dates and is assigned to people and things are buttoned up in there. I like Asana because, you know, I can go and say, oh, I wonder what the status of this project is. I can go in, I can find that project. I can see any updates. People can like attach their, oh, here's the latest version of this document and, and all this stuff, right? So they can put all that, Asana can hold all that. It keeps it less messy. And then you can actually connect Asana to Slack. So let's say somebody goes in there and says, oh, hey, David, this blog post is ready to go. Can you review it? Right. It'll alert me in Slack where I am most of the time. I can click a button and it takes me right to what they're talking about. And I can look at that document or I can reply to them straight from Slack instead of having to like on my phone, log into Asana, find the thing they're talking about. You know what I mean? It just helps make it a lot easier. And now Zoom integrates with Slack too, which is another killer. So Zoom, Asana, Slack, those are like my three things I basically have open most of the day that help us kind of all stay connected uh, from a, from a tech side, from yeah. like a practical side, we have bi-weekly full team meetings. So like once every two weeks, we all get on a call together and we're like, if we have any problems, we brainstorm them. And then I have kind of scheduled check-ins with some other people uh, on the team throughout the week to go kind of dive into some, some more details on certain projects that we're working on. So it was maybe a couple weeks ago, you told me about, as you just called it, like the trifecta of Slack, Asana, and Zoom. And I started using Asana integrated with Slack. And honestly, it has completely changed my life. It's so easy to just go in there and write tasks and be able to put priority, signing a priority to things is so helpful. Even just for myself, like I feel like everything's changing. So I kind of had to like halt and be like, okay, what are the new priorities? And being able to go back through the task list in Asana and be like, okay, this was important, but now it's kind of not, has been yeah. so helpful. So thanks for sharing that with me a few weeks ago. And I highly recommend that anybody else check into those things too, because yeah, wow, game changer. And, and quick, quick additional note, like Asana is free unless you want like these premium features, which I don't even think we use the premium features. And I got like a bunch of people in there. So you can get in Asana for free. Slack is free too, unless you want like a long history of saved messages. So you can use Slack and Asana for free, I'm pretty sure. So uh, another thing that's been super helpful that I've, I've told some other business owners about and some of my friends, it's called Loom, L-O-O-M, Loom. It is a software, again, free for a lot, like a lot of uses. 
and it's a really easy screen capture, screen recording program. So you can start on a computer. Let's say you're trying to explain something to someone like your team, right? So like I'm showing them how to use a certain piece of software or how to do this process. Instead of like sitting on a call and teaching them and hoping that they remember, I just do it myself, but I record it with Loom and I hit record and it records my, my camera, like a little circle of my face in the bottom corner. I mean, I could turn that off if I want. And then it captures my screen and I'm like, all right, cool guys, here's how you do this in the future. And I do it and I just talk as I'm doing it to explain it and I hit done and it records it into the cloud and you get a link, but I just send that link in Slack and say, hey guys, here's how you do this. And I log it away in a training folder and so they can click it. They can watch the video back at any time to see how to do it. Let's say they're watching the video two minutes in, they're kind of confused. There's like a little chat box below it and they can say, David, I don't understand what you mean when you said this. And they can leave that comment and it's like time stamped in the video. So I can like click the comment, go to the exact section in the video where they're talking about and I can like reply to them on that video. So anytime someone comes back to that video, that whole like history is there. It's just like a really good training tool and a really good like communication tool for doing remote stuff if you're trying to get everybody on the same page or something. So I just want to throw that out there. Loom. I feel like there's a ton of use cases for that. I'm probably going to check it out today. So yeah, um, thanks for sharing. Also, this kind of goes along with what you've been talking about of you have the biweekly meetings, you have those training videos. When you're going from working with people like in person in an office together and then working remotely, how do you toe that line of not micromanaging, but also making sure that people are staying productive and get what they need to get done? Do you have any tips for that? Yeah, I'm probably like a pretty bad micromanager in general. I'm more like a macro manager. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I probably could micromanage a little bit more. But, you know, honestly, I'm, I have more of the belief that you should fix that on the hiring end. You know, like, if you're hiring someone who you think is not going to get work done at home when they know they're on the clock, you know, like, I don't know, that's a little more of like an integrity issue to me. Mm-hmm. I think one thing is expectation setting, right? So I did have a contractor one time stealing time, I would say. I they were way over billing me for their time. And I found out several months down the road after I looked at call logs, I'm like, hmm, you booked 20 hours worth of phone calls for support calls, but I'm looking in this phone system here and you've talked on the phone for like 90 minutes. So, wow. Um, so I added that up, it was several thousand dollars. So I was like, mm, this is no good. So that person got let go from that point forward. When I enter an agreement with a contractor or I hire an employee, we just have a good heart to heart at the very beginning. And I'm like, listen, Number one on this list is integrity because most of the people, we work remotely. I give you a ton of leeway. I need to be able to trust that like if you're putting time down that you're working, you're actually working. You're not logging in at home and then you're going off and doing something else. I want to pay you well and I want you to like do good work for me. So I just kind of set those expectations up front. I think one of the problems people have is like when they're unproductive is like there's not a clear, hey, you need to have this done by this date. And this is what I expect it to look like. You just say, hey, go work on stuff productive. When people don't have like a clear objective, they just kind of like wander. I mean, I even do that for myself, right? Like if I sit down, I'm like, I'm just going to work. It's not really like super productive time. I have to like sit down and be like, cool, what are my priorities today? What do I need to get done? I put like three check boxes down on my notepad and mm-hmm. I make sure to focus on that stuff. So I think people need direction and guidance, right? It comes down to setting expectations, 
having clear deadlines and having clear like deliverables of what you want. It's bad management to just expect people to be productive without giving them any type of expectations of what you want from them, you know? Yeah, for sure. So another thing I was kind of like wondering and mulling over about working when you're not physically present with your employees is how do you kind of build or sustain a company culture? Yeah, I mean, you don't get, obviously you don't get those like, drive-by interactions that you would if you worked with someone but I think Zoom helps a lot I like having the video on because you can see people and like body language and expressions just feel like you're with them a little bit more Mm -hmm. so um for the first time we did have everybody come all together for like a one all-day meeting we did like dinner the night before and then one long all-day meeting so we have people in New York City two people in Washington DC and then two people actually in Kissimmee Mm-hmm. Um, so we all came together for one long in-person meeting to do some strategy and some planning. And that was super helpful to kind of get to know each other better and to make that those relationships a little bit more concrete. Um, but yeah, it is kind of hard in a fully remote environment. You know, you can still, even in like a remote environment, like set the tone of how your company is going to be, right? So like, you know, when someone, you get a nasty customer email, right? Like, how do you tell your customer service people to respond to stuff like that, right? So I think how you direct people sets the tone of how your company is run and you know how you're guiding people through that so i think you can kind of set the tone of your company even in a remote setting um and you know you're you're on calls together and things like that so it's it's a little bit harder than in person but it still just comes down to i think setting expectations and holding people to standards and i don't sound like a total grouch like i love to make jokes and laugh and stuff and <laughs> poke fun, we poke fun at each other on calls and um and all that stuff too so it's you know whether you're in person or you're not in person, everything you do has ripple effects on your company culture. So if you're setting a good example and putting the customer first in everything you do, then that's going to trickle out anyway. Yeah. I think another part of like having a good team and stuff too is like when someone does something good and someone on your team is like stepping up, you know, like recognizing them to everybody else and calling out and saying, hey, you did a great job on this. Yeah, so we're on like bi-weekly calls. We usually go around and say, what you've been working on and what you have coming up and so that's like a good opportunity to like brag on team members to the rest of the team and I can tell them oh hey actually George came up with this great idea when we were on our call you know a couple of days ago and George told him about your awesome idea that you had you know stuff like mm-hmm. that because people want to feel like they're contributing like they're actually adding something right they don't want to just feel like a robot there mm-hmm. yeah it makes you feel like you're part of something bigger than just what you've yeah. been working on or whatever yeah So moving forward, you mentioned it's helpful to have at least one person in the office with you so that you can just kind of like talk to them and bounce ideas off of them. But I think you said even she's part-time. So what are some ways that you like personally kind of continue to motivate yourself even when you don't have the team physically around you? Watching Bob Ross paint paintings (laughs) is helpful. Um, I do love Bob Ross, but that's obviously true. Honestly, I feel like you just got to try your hardest not to just put yourself in a little like bubble vacuum. It's easy to just start doing your work and think, I've got all the answers I need. I'm just going to put my head down and do my work. I think there's definitely time for that, but you really got to go put yourself into some groups. And I'm in a a group here locally, like at a catapult, Catwalk, great name, Mm -hmm. but uh, the Catwalk group, but it's just like a group of Lakeland entrepreneurs. We meet like once a month and we just kind of talk about what's going on in our businesses and um, so for me, that's motivating to hear kind of like what other people are doing, what they're going through. Everybody says all these, all these tough, cool business guys out now on Instagram, like the fun thing to say is like, 
oh, motivation is overrated. You just gotta like, you know, do it when you don't feel like it and blah, blah, blah. You know, I think mm-hmm. some of that's true, but like, I gotta be honest, I don't do really good work when I'm not feeling like doing what I'm doing. So sometimes I just like, you just take a step back and I just go like, okay, cool. What kind of stuff motivates me? I'm going to go read a chapter of a book or I'm going to go talk to this person or whatever. And I do that. And then maybe I feel like a little bit more, you know, surge of energy, boost motivation to dive back into something. I think getting out, talking to people, being a part of groups with other entrepreneurs, kind of staying in contact with your team, asking them how they're doing, if they have any ideas, that's kind of stuff that helps me keep chugging forward. And if you know someone's counting on you to deliver something, you're more likely to get it done than if you're just committing to yourself. Oh, I'm going to finish this project by this date. Put some right. more pressure on you to actually get it done. So that that's helpful for me too, because I'm like a big procrastinator. Like in my mind, if I can put something off, I will until the very last minute. So I, I try to find things that make me not like that. Yes, I feel that on a very spiritual level. Man, <laughs> procrastination is uh, tempting. But yeah, um, it's, it's hard. Yeah, you feel like when something feels like oh, this feels like a big task. It feels overwhelming. My body's just like do anything but start that task, you know? So the more you can like break it down into like bite-sized chunks, I feel like the easier it is to kind of get started with it and just make some progress on it. Totally. They say it's a little bit like, you know, eating an elephant, just one bite at a time. Classic. That's right. Classic elephant you know? (laughs) Yeah. So also you mentioned reading books. Any that you want to recommend? The Life of Bob Ross by Bob Ross. (laughs) Is a good (laughs) question. I don't think that's a real book. I don't think that's a real book. I think my favorite book in the last year that I've read is Atomic Habits by James Clear. Yeah. Especially if you're like someone with bad habits or a procrastinator like myself, very convicting book, but very good. Like we've talked about some good motivation, like that book, just the way they explain things and they've talked, you know, a light bulb comes on on every page. You're like, you know what? I am destroying my life with small choices. I need to get my act together here, you know? Mm-hmm. So another one that I was diving into, I was in a group with a guy, Pat Flynn, um, for about a year. like in like a mentorship group he wrote a book called super fans that was really good oh, i read the whole book but i started diving into it it's about how to create a community of super fans for your business so it's like how to basically mm-hmm. have the world's most loyal customers that love you and that you help and serve i also like like psychology sales books and stuff too so another interesting, interesting. book i was reading is um methods of persuasion by nick kalenda i think there's a lot of really cool like they talk about different studies and experiments that have been done on why people behave the way they do and why people make choices the way they do it does help with sales and marketing to know a lot of that stuff not that you're trying to like manipulate people but just like knowing more about how the human brain works and makes choices based on things that you maybe wouldn't think of so that's more like an interesting book yeah that sounds very interesting i've heard really good things about um the first two books you mentioned but i hadn't heard about the methods of persuasion until i saw your instagram story the other night didn't you make a joke about like (laughs) that's how you got your wife to marry you yeah yeah yeah. i was like i read this and kate to get my wife to marry me and she still doesn't know that she's been tricked or something (laughs) actually katie and i were listening to that or we were reading it together or listening to like the audiobook together on like a road trip or something Mm -hmm. and then we would do things and we'd find each other using the principles against each other. She'd, like, <laughs> she'd go buy something at Target. And I'm like, how much did you spend? And she'd start off with like, only like $400. I'm like, what? And then she's like, no, nah, I'm just kidding. It was like 70. And I'm like, oh, I see what you're doing. You're trying to anchor me at a high psychological price point to make the 70 seem better. Like, it's not going to work. <laughs> That's so good. It's, uh, it's been pretty funny. So a book to read on your own without your significant other, if you want it to work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got it. yeah exactly yeah when you say that 
it made me think of like one thing to add, right? I'm a, re- a quote remote worker, right? Cause I can work from wherever mm-hmm. they like to. And even though a lot of my team is remote, like I still go into an office and like have a kind of a routine, right? I right. think the problem that a lot of people have right now, myself included, I hit, see so many people like, I just feel so unproductive. People are having a hard time like getting anything done right now. And I'm feeling the same thing, right? It's really hard. And again, if you read Atomic Habits, a lot of this is more clear too, right? Like it's hard when you're when your mind doesn't have like a system and a routine to like know how to do things and be productive like like I don't like working at home because when I go home my body my brain is like hey this is where you chill and relax and like watch tv with your wife and like hang out you know what I mean Mm -hmm. so when I'm like oh cool it's time to crush it and I'm like sitting in like our spare bedroom or like on my bed I can't get into crush it mode you know what I mean yeah I just can't it just it doesn't happen but like Mm -hmm. if I'm at my office I'm like used to being productive and working there so what I'm trying to do and I'm not saying this is like oh this is the answer for everybody but this has helped me is trying to establish some type of like new routine for yourself to like be productive right because if you don't have like uh expectations for yourself and a schedule and a routine it's very easy to just let the whole day just kind of like drift by without like being productive I could sleep until 10 a.m. I mean, why four kids? Like, so probably not. But like, I could let them watch TV and I could stay in bed or whatever. But I'm like, no, I'm going to set my alarm. I'm going to get up. I'm going to take a shower. I'm going to get dressed. I literally now am like working in my car for half the day. So I like, I get dressed. I get my things. I get my notebook. I go to my car. I kiss my wife goodbye. I go drive. I park around a lake with a nice view. I set up shop. I get my notebook out. I have my banana and my coffee here. I like write down in my notebook, like, okay, here's what I'm going to get done today before I go home or before lunch. And I write it down and I pull my computer out and I'm like, I treat it like a little in-car office. Now I'm not saying everybody's got to work out of their car, but you need to have like something, right? Like, so a room that you set aside, like, Hey, this is work room. I'm going to get up. I'm going to get dressed. I'm going to go into this room and it's time to get stuff done or like whatever it is. So and say from this time to this time, I'm going to work and I'm going to accomplish this. Then I'm going to go outside and I'm going to take a 30 minute walk and read methods of persuasion as I'm standing no closer than six feet to anyone, you know, or whatever. You know? <laughs> right, right. And like, you're just kind of like set your day out and, you know, accomplish stuff and check stuff off. And like, don't just loaf around and think that like, oh, you're just going to decide to get to stuff. Like, this is not going to happen. Uh, yeah. That's what I'm trying to do. And I feel like, yeah. honestly, a lot of that too is like trial and error. You've yeah. tried working from home and it's not really working. So you had to figure out what's right for you. And I feel like what a lot of people are doing right now is just like not giving themselves grace to try to learn a new thing. Like this working from home thing is new. So let's just treat it as a new thing we're trying to learn and figure out what works and what doesn't. And if you're figuring out what doesn't work, that's also helping you figure out what will work eventually. True. Very true. Have you ever heard of John Acuff? No. He's got a great quote that was, I'm trying to look it up here. Yeah. He wrote it a while ago, but I, I liked it. It said, be brave enough to be bad at something new, right? It's like, everything's bad when you first started. So um, you just mm-hmm. got to like start. The only way to get better at something is just to do it a lot. So Yeah, I love that. Not that I'm encouraging everyone to work from their bed a lot, because I don't know if you'll ever get better at that. But um, <laughs> yeah, there's some things that you can't save. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to get better at eating Chick-fil-A and not gaining weight. It's like, okay, well, <laughs> good luck. <laughs> I tried yeah. that. Trust me. I was, I was on that program <laughs> for a solid six months and uh, it didn't work out. So. Well, David, thanks for taking the time to do this. Seriously, I think you left a lot of like really practical tools that people can use as they're figuring out this work from home, work remote thing. How do we do that well with our team? See you around. Who knows when? It's kind of sad. but. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Kristen. 
so much for listening to this conversation with David Young. For more information about the platforms and books that he referenced, except of course for The Life of Bob Ross by Bob Ross, check out the show notes at catapultlakeland.com slash podcast. And to stay in the know, go ahead and subscribe to this podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And next week, we will be back to chat with Jillian Smith of Carambola Consulting, who recently stepped out as an entrepreneur after a long career as marketing executive, where she led through different events such as 9-11 and the Great Recession. So we'll be here to talk with her about the insights she gained through that that are helping her better react today. Until then, keep making headway. <laughs>